This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG 13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. On the new podcast, American Criminal, you'll learn about the fraud, theft, and murder that marks the dark side of the American dream. Like the Menendez murders. Was it two greedy kids who killed their parents for money, or is there more? Listen to American Criminal wherever you get your podcasts. Listening to the Career Musician Podcast with creator and host Nomad. With 20 plus years of experience in the music industry, Nomad has done just about everything to earn a living as a career musician. From being music director to celebrity artists, playing iconic arenas and stadiums, composing for film and TV, and even playing your average local club gigs, he's done it all. Nomad's mission is to empower musicians across the globe with strategies for a sustainable career while blasting stereotypes, and to bring you tried and true wisdom from his colleagues in this crazy business we call music. On this episode of The Career Musician, we have a career choreographer, dancer, and educator, Miss Michelle Elkin. And as Michelle puts it, she is a career choreographer, dancer, and career musicians are some of her best friends. With TV series credits like Younger, The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel, Young Sheldon with Jason Alexander from Seinfeld, and Gilmore Girls, that's just the tip of the iceberg. Southwest Airlines for a web spot. Her theater credits include The Goodbye Girl, Broadway to the Rescue, Hunchback of Notre Dame, Sister Act the Musical. The list of credits literally goes on. Boston Public, Joan of Arcadia, Ally McBeal, Charmed, American Idol, Third Rock from the Sun, that 70s show. Oh my goodness, Michelle has done it all. And here's the best part. She talks about the parallels of working in her business and our business. After all, music and dance go hand in hand, don't they? Listen to Michelle talk about it right here on the TCM Podcast. Okay, today's guest, Michelle Elkin, choreographer, educator, dancer, and by the way, she loves career musicians. Michelle, welcome to the Career Musician Podcast. Oh my gosh, thank you so much for having me. This is Absol- a blast. I can't wait. <laughs> Absolutely. Same here. You know, uh, I, as, as a lot of you listeners may know, I have the guests do the little guest ID, station ID, I call it, where they say their name and they say that they're a career musician. And I love the way you put it, Michelle. 
Would you mind re- reiterating that, what she said? <laughs> I will try. I was like, hi, I'm Michelle Elkin. I'm a career choreographer who loves career musicians. Bam. I love that. <laughs> that is so awesome. So Michelle hit me up a couple years ago online, and she, she you know, uh, complimented me on the platform. And you commented how uh, our, our paths, our career paths are so similar. And I just couldn't resist having you as a guest. You know, my wife even reached out to me. She said, hey, by the way, did you see that message that you got from the dancer? I was like, yeah. She's like, you should interview her. I said, yeah, it just makes sense. Because, that's amazing. you know, what we do is all, it's all one and the same, basically. Absolutely. The one that really kicked in for me, it was, I, I'm sorry, I can't remember the artist's name, but they were talking about being a janitor for the Beatles and then years later became uh, like the tour manager for Paul McCartney. And I was like, that's what it's about, building that foundation. That's I was like, right. I love this podcast. Oh, thank you. I remember that episode clearly. It's Bernie Boyle. Who oh, is, okay, yeah. Yeah, I call him the legendary tour manager. I mean, he's tour managed for everybody. Michael Jackson, Paul McCartney, like you said, he worked with the Beatles. I mean, the list goes on. And he had the right mindset from when he was younger. You know, just, just like if you're working in an executive situation, you start in a mailroom, you work your way up, right? Yeah, I was really impressed by that. And, I, and it connected to my training. And I was like, I have to tell people about this podcast because it will make so much sense. It's, not, it's, it's, it's all the way around, no matter what art form you're in. I was like, this is about how you do your business and how you make your foundation built. Man. It really touched on me. So I was like, I have to listen to more of these. And I felt very like connected to this. But I also, I have always loved musicians. That's who I always connect with on a job, session artists, like when we're on TV shows. That's right. who I like talk to because you're right. Like we have such similar connections to the art form. That's right. That's right. And musicians, conversely, we hang out with dancers. because Look, you know, if you're on tour, you're all part of the group. So you're hanging out anyway. This is what we do, right? And right. on tour, it becomes your family away from home, right? So totally. It just makes sense. Absolutely. Yeah. So, all right, give us a brief history of how you got started in dance, how the, the dance bug bit you and so forth. Okay, yeah. I was um, like two, three years old, like any child usually gets put into dance. Um, it was just fun. I, I had a passion for it. I had two parents who said, you know, we're going to keep giving this to you. Just, you know, I was at a dance studio, local dance studio. Um, and then there was a bunch of kids going to this audition when I was about eight years old for the feature film, Annie. And just, you know, I just, I was always about the fun of dance. I just loved it. I loved every ounce of it, just even at an early age. And I went to that audition, not knowing what show business was about. My parents knew nothing about show business. Right. And I auditioned and um, I didn't get the job at the time. <laughs> and then about a month or so later, I got a call from the casting director um, asking for me to be on the phone, not my mom, me, and said, do you want to be an orphan in the movie Annie? And that was my start. I was um, on a set for 10 weeks, learning it. Like, there, you can see me in the movie. Like, I'm looking all over the place, like, while they're shooting. And I, I didn't know. I didn't know anything. I was just, like, so, like, open-eyed. This is what I love doing, and I'm doing it, like, in this way. And that was, that was the, like, opening for what it was. And there were other kids in the film that had already done Pennies from Heaven. And they were, you know, on the Tim Conway show. And so... 
there were already professional kids and their parents were really kind to help my parents saying, if you want her to continue, these are the people you need to get her to. So lo and behold, again, my parents said, okay, let's, you know, let's follow this through. And I ended up training in Los Angeles with all the top working choreographers at the time, no kids classes, all adult classes. I had to audition for them all. And they were all like, I mean, I was taking a Debbie Reynolds studio at a very young age while Michael Jackson was rehearsing Thriller. So it was like, that was the world I was like watching and, 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 um, and participating in at a very young age. And it was a really good time. I mean, you'll understand this. It was a time when like, you know, TV variety specials were out. Right. You know, I, I did a John Schneider Christmas special, you know, like, ah. you know, there was like TV, like I did a show called I Love Liberty with Bonnie Franklin. And it was like all this like really great t- TV time for dancers and kids, especially at People's Choice Awards had kids. And so it was a really um, nice place to kind of get catapulted in what this was. And I was already thinking about choreography at that time. <laughs> ah, that's awesome. Now, was this up north in New York on the East Coast? No, I am um, born and raised in California. I, I, um, I was raised in Roland Heights, but all my training was in Los Angeles. And I found my way to New York, not living there, but like I've, I've been able to make the path of being able to work on both coasts as an educator, as a choreographer. Um, but everything, I mean, all my TV life was in LA for many years. Okay, because when we first started talking, you were in New York. That's what it was. Yes, I was, I think I was shooting, I might've been shooting Younger, the TV show Younger. Oh, wow. Yeah. That is so cool. So uh, if, if you go to your, uh, Michelle's website, michellelkin.com, you'll see all of her credits and everything that she has available. Some, some great classes, it looks like, and whatnot. You have a ton of TV credits, uh, TV and film credits. Which is so cool. Um, I, I'm going to be a little biased here. I love the marvelous Mrs. Maisel. I mean, <laughs> Maisel. Or yeah, anyway. so, yeah, I'm lucky on that one. So um, the choreographer that I worked with for many years um, she's the she's the choreographer for the whole show, and there was an episode that she couldn't get to New York, and I was already there, which is a really good lesson for everybody, like in the right time, in the place. And and she's had she over the years she had me cover you know sets for her, and so there was an episode she couldn't do, and I was there, and so and I had already worked with you know Amy Sherman Palladino before, so she trusted me, and so yeah, it was great. I it's a fun show to be on. That is. I think is. they're going back soon again, so yeah, it's a really fun show. Absolutely. Okay. So we have so much to unpack. Sorry. I just, uh, I wanted to mention that while we were talking about New York. Um, all right. So that's the, your history. And then as time went on, what was your career path like? You know, you talked about being an Annie. Uh, that must have been amazing as you were discussing. You know, after that, what, what were the, the different patterns that you see that m- it might be helpful for others yes. who are trying to do what you do, you know? Well, this is a weird thing. I just remembered this this morning because I was like, I need to know, I need to like remember my youth because that, that kind of catapults everything else, right? Isn't it um, something how, how we kind of just, it, we gloss over it, you know? Yeah, but the thing is, I remember, and I can't remember if it was a second or third job, but um, again, Debbie Reynolds Studio was the place to go growing up. And there was a, a choreographer that happened to be rehearsing and I had been called on the audition for something that he was going to be doing a few days later. And I literally jumped in front of him and I shook his hand and introduced myself. I mean, I was a little one, you know, and I introduced myself. And then I went back, I went to the audition and I reminded him in the middle of like that experience. So, you know, there was that. And then there was another job 
that I went to audition. They typecast. I think it was like maybe nine or ten, um, and they were typecasting everybody. I got cut because of my height, because they wanted a certain like they wanted everybody the same height. Uh, okay. And then I said. So sorry. sorry. Yeah. If you don't mind for some of the listeners, listeners who may not be familiar with that term typecast, break yeah. that down. And that, that may not continue. We don't know. We'll see. But typecasting, generally speaking, is you want you stand in a line and they're looking for a specific height or they want like, you know, a certain look that they're look, they're trying to fit, you know, into that product of that show or, you know, TV, film or theater. And they used to do it so they could like eliminate people's times, you know, being wasted. Which that I really appreciate. So you're not standing there dancing, you know, for eight hours and you never were right for the job. So I know a lot of people do appreciate that respect of time. So um, if you if you fit the, the bill of what they're looking for, then you stay and then you learn the choreography. I was cut at that audition as a kid because I they were really specifically looking for a height and I was a little bit shorter. I asked if I could stay and just dance because I wanted, I always just wanted to dance. And they let me. And I ended up booking the job. I was the only one who was short. Tur. Everybody around the circle, they made a whole circle of dancers, all the same height. And I was in the center. That was a job with Bonnie Franklin. And after the job, because I was this little one, we, I remember there was this kick line that went in like this like circle. And I was shorter than everybody, so I had to like bust it to get around. And I remember the choreographer, Ron Field, ran and like after the job lifted me up and he was so proud you know at the time I didn't realize he had worked for Bob Fosse like I was a kid I was like none of that really like you know clicked in for me but now I'm like oh my gosh that was really a, a amazing moment but yeah I just you know I think I think what the 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 steps that you were asking is I just like I just was doing it for fun <laughs> and then I realized like as I started to learn how important it was to kind of find those circles of people you wanted to work with. I ask people all the time, like, what do I need to do? I really want to work with you. <laughs> like that was always my like initiation. That's perfect. So I noticed three things here. Uh, first of all, your tenacity to go up and talk to these directors, producers, other, you know, head choreographers say, Hey, please, I just want to dance. Put me in. Let me show you what I can do. That's yep. huge. Yes. Um, oftentimes I find that we might not always have the self-confidence to do that. So that yeah. tenacity is very important. But you would expound on that and agree, Absolutely. Sure. Absolutely. And I, and I wonder, like, I wonder if it was the naivete of being a kid. Yes. So, and then that practice of, of realizing that, oh, you're not, I, I, didn't, I, never, I never was obnoxious, or at least I don't think I was obnoxious about it. Nobody ever, like, seemed to feel that way. But I realized that it worked. Like I, if you say you want to do something or there's something you, like somebody you really want to work with that you admire, there's nothing wrong with telling somebody that. Like I can't imagine, like if somebody came up to me and said, I really want to work with you, Michelle, that would make me feel really great. Like how would you, like it's right? not coming from a bad place. You're going, really? Like you, you care enough about my work that you want to find a way to work with me? Like, so I think, I think the, the difference of that confidence really, really has helped me. I mean, even now, and, and yeah, I mean, I'm not going to say like that's every single time in my life. I, everybody goes through those ups and downs of like, you know, insecurity, that's human. <laughs> but at the end of the day, you have to ask for what you want. That's right. Well, then the second thing you mentioned was passion. I think mm -hmm. as all of us creative types, like I always say, we didn't, we didn't get into the biz, quote unquote, 
to to make money, <laughs> especially nowadays. Uh, we yeah. got into the biz because, like I always say, the, the bug bit us, the passion. And we have this passion, and we let the passion lead, which is good in the beginning especially. The problem is the passion can only take you so far. At some point, you're going to have to subsidize that with knowledge and education and skill. Yes. Talk about that because you, you mentioned the passion you know, brought you in. Yeah. So, you know, physically for me, I've, and I still am not, I've never been, you know, flexible, like dancers. If you think about the traditional mm-hmm. dancer, you know, their legs go up to their head and, you know, there's, there's just, you know, that, that, that kind of, um, mobility physically that I never have had. Really? I, no, I never had it. So my passion, but I learned, what I learned is I learned how to use my legs. I, use, I learned how to, how to make pictures and, and be able to, like, you know, in ballet, that's a different thing. Like I was, I was never wanting to be a ballet dancer, but what you have to do is you have to time it out so that the energy is still at the, at the same time. Right. So for me, I was like diving in deeper to where other things that I connected to. And that's where I think the passion got me through because I loved the art form. I loved taking class. I was obsessed with taking dance classes, like five, six classes a day. And I, I was fortunate. I had parents who would drive me and wait for me to do my dance singing and acting classes. So I think the passion was what, what made me um, have the momentum to dive into finding other ways to work so that I could survive physically in a world of, of what I, I was choosing. Cause not everybody gets to do it, you know, honestly, not, right. you know, and I mean, musicians too, not everybody gets to do it. That's perfect. Perfectly said. And then, and then the last thing that I wanted to talk about from this first comment you made was the inquisitive nature. Don't be afraid to ask questions. Yes. Um, I know from experience when I was a lot younger, sometimes I might think, Oh, don't ask that question. They'll think you're stupid, you know, but you know mm-hmm. what? Just ask. <laughs> I definitely went through that when I first started choreographing. But what really helped me was watching my mentors choreographing and seeing them go through those struggles of, you know, people giving information, trying to like read through it and all that. I, I watched all the, or, or choreographing something and it didn't work and then you had to go back and, and fix it. And I saw how they dealt with it. So it was a really good example having that opportunity to be in those processes with them to see that it's not just, you know, it's not just you, it's everybody. And you and, and it's okay to ask questions. Like the more you ask, you know, the more that you're informed to do your best job. That's right. That's so true. Okay. So you shared with us a lot of your film and TV experiences or, you know, you have a ton more, obviously. Um, you also did some touring. Hey, Pantheon listeners, Christian Swain here. You caught me just finishing up some editing on Getting Real with John and Beth. I want to share my first experience with Factor Meals for you. I think you'll find this interesting because I bet the same thing happens to you. I had just received my first shipment from Factor Meals the other day, and I was excited to try one of the prepared restaurant-quality meals for myself. Anyway, I was working away and noticed it was very late, and it was my night to make dinner. I jumped up and headed to the kitchen, went to grab the ingredients for the dish I was going to make, and realized I was missing a prime ingredient. Well... 
I could make a run to the store, or I could make one of my new factor meals. <laughs> Actually, the choice was easy. I grabbed a cavatappi, an Italian-style pork ragu with garlic broccoli, heated the oven per instructions, and minutes later was enjoying a very delicious, nutritious, and dietitian approved meal. It really was everything factor meals said it would be. No prep, no mess meals. Factor meals are 100% ready to heat and eat. Take it from me and head to factormeals.com slash pantheon50 and use the code pantheon50 to get 50% off. That's factormeals.com slash pantheon50 and use the code pantheon50 to get 50% off. You know, I actually never, um, I never toured with an artist. I never okay. toured with, yeah, no, I never, I never took that route. Um, but I, I did do like the, I'm, I'm really into theater. Right. That's probably okay. what you're, yeah. I, so I was the, definitely theater into, tours, right, right. Yeah, like I, I um, my first musical as a performer, I did Fame the Musical. It was the first um, West Coast production that came from Sweden. And they did offer me a tour, but at the time I was working television and that money is really great. <laughs> and on top of it, I was like, I was riding that, that wave of dancing, assisting choreographers. So I just didn't think it was the right time to travel. But I'm, I, I have a big passion for working in, in the theater. Um, I love the community. I think it's what you talked about being on tour. Right. There's something about the community of people you have to spend a different amount of time with and you have to struggle through the process with that you don't get on television unless you're in a TV series, you know? Right. So, um, yeah, that's that I, I would love to do more, um, working with artists. Cause I love, I love creating, I love creating pictures. Like I, I've, I do love choreographing, but I've, it's never been about like how many steps can you feel? You know, it's always been about how do you create this picture and story? Right, right. So how long, what was the longest tour you did, theater tour? Um, being out of town, I would say probably the longest I've been out of town wouldn't be a tour. It would have been a film. I would say um, okay. my longest, actually, yeah, my longest on a film was about three to four months in Florida. I, did, I was an assistant choreographer in Florida for a film. And then I spent two full years off and on, eight weeks at a time, being okay. an associate choreographer on a Broadway show. Okay, perfect. So what, so what I'm getting at, this is great. Because being away from home, yes. whether you're on a set or uh, moving from city to city with a tour group, talk about what it's like to have that family life away from home. You know, uh, because look, a lot of the times you're with people that you're working with, you can't get away from them. It's almost 24-7 aside from the time you're sleeping. And oftentimes you're bunking with somebody or you're sharing a room or you're sleeping on a tour bus or what, what have you. You know, talk about that and what you've learned. With yeah. The- you know, I have to say for myself personally, I have always been really strict about, about my time spent. And also being a dancer, you have to be really smart about how you use your body. Um, You have to be careful how much you go out at night, how much you party. You know, I never was, not that I, not that I haven't enjoyed myself and I'm, and I'm not fun to be around, but there's an element of, of sleep (laughs) that you need to be able to dance the way you need to dance. There's a level of what you feed your body health wise so that your body can dance that hard. Um, so, there, so I think for me, like I found ways I would, I mean, I still do it. If I go teach out of town or when I leave, the first thing I do, if I can, is go to a gym. Even if it's 20 minutes on a treadmill, I just need to yes. focus my eyes, my head and my body. <laughs> I always say that as soon as I land and check into the hotel, the next, the very next thing I do is put on my gym clothes and hit it. 
Yeah. You got to sweat it out. You got to get the airplane vibe off of you. You get, right? You get a grounding. Yes. In that new place that you're at. And I need that too for my work. Like I, I feel like, I feel like there's time to be with people and connect because you don't want to be that person. That's not, you know, right. but there's also a place where you need to focus so that, and I've always been a serious focused worker. Some people, if they mess around then that's their best work for me, I've always like, I've always needed to be into that zone so that I'm prepared. I'm, I'm ready. I just like to be prepared. That's the perfect segue, because this is what I was going to ask you about next is, you know, health and lifestyle, especially when you're on the road. So that's one of the things you do. You hit the gym immediately. Um, you know, as you know, traveling is difficult with keeping a, a good diet or, and not even a diet, just good, healthy nutrition. What are some of the tricks you've done over the years? Yeah, it's really, especially the airplane food. Um, it's yes. really hard. I try, I try to bring my like healthiest protein bars to eat if right. I can. And, you know, I drink I try to drink lots of water. And I do my best. I mean, I'm, I'm a little bit easier going now that I'm a little bit older. When I was younger, I knew that I had to be on, you know, a TV set the next day or things like that. So I, I, I've always tried to eat a little bit healthier, like in this, in terms of like, you know, fish, chicken, red meat, um, greens. I mean, it's so good for your body. Um, yeah, I just think there's a, there's a healthy, nutritious way to make sure that you have the stamina, that you don't get injured. Um, that's really important. And it's hard. I mean, I think it's easier now. I remember when I used to go to like, you know, the Midwest and, you know, healthy food, like everything was breaded and yeah, I mean, now there's actually places. Yeah. Everything was fried. Um, so I feel like now so many places have gone on board to have, you know, you can find a good salad without, you know, fried chicken on it. And (laughs) (laughs) that wasn't the case a few years ago. Exactly. Exactly. So you mentioned that, you know, initially you weren't innately flexible, so to speak. Did you develop like a stretching routine that you could use something that's quick? Because I know for me, especially now that I've been, I'm in my 40s, I'm all about stretching and I'm on the verge of diving full head into yoga. Like I'm just about there. Have you developed a little stretching routine that you like to use? Yeah, I always, I mean, I still honestly take class when I can, okay. uh, but I, and I always stretch in my own classes, but when I was growing up, I did a, a stretch called the wall stretch. That's what we just all call it the wall stretch. And you lay on your back, legs up to the ceiling, open your legs on the wall. And I would sit there for an hour. I would take like a hot bath, sit for an hour. And that was like wow. major for me. And, and as much as I, I, I fought the ballet bars and stuff, it also was really good for my body. So I, I mean, I stretched and I stretched and I actually, I really achieved a lot because I was diligent about it. I just didn't have, like, it, it, it was, it took the effort and the work to make that happen. It wasn't like some people, you know, have that naturally and there's other things they can't, you know, connect to. For right. me, it was always the, the emotional connection opposed to the physical connection. And do you think a quick five, 10 minute stretch routine is helpful throughout the day? So good for your body. I think okay. it's good for your body. I mean, I think it's just good. I'm, even if you're not a performer as a human being, like that's what I'm healthy. thinking. Yeah. Yeah. It's so healthy. Like I think at any age, I mean, I have, I have people that take my class that are in their sixties on, on up and they're still taking class. You would never know. Like they, I think it also keeps you young. I think it's physically keeps you, you know, that movement. I think it's important. I mean, I don't look like my age, so <laughs> dance has definitely done good by me. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. I can attest to that. So, uh, but I don't even know your age. You just look great. So <laughs> um, let's talk about the etiquette of what you do. So with musicians, oftentimes, obviously, anywhere you work, there's always like a, a little protocol, right? An, an order. 
if you will. It's the producer, the director, and then on down. The, the music director, then the musicians, and so yeah. forth. With what you do, it, it starts with the choreographer, or I guess it depends on what type of medium you're working in. Yeah, it depends on the medium. Um, but there's always, there's always, I mean, TV, film, and theater is the same idea. Producer, director, director choreographer, choreographer right. assistant or associate choreographer, and then the performer. So okay. I, I think it's very similar. That's why I think when, when I have conversations with musical directors or musicians, I, the same mentality is very much there um, in terms of that. Right. When you're in the role of performer, Let's talk about that etiquette first, because I, I think that's the most important. I think it's it's smart for us to remain extremely humble. Mm-hmm. And I always say eyes and ears wide open, mouth shut, right? A hundred percent. hundred percent. The thing is, as a performer, your job is to facilitate the work. Right. You don't have an opinion. That's, that's right. <laughs> you know, unless, unless there's something that, you know, goes against your moral ideas, that's different, or you're treated in a way that's disrespectful, and not meaning like somebody yelling at you because you're not doing a step because you didn't do your job. I mean, like disrespectful. Right. Um, but other than that, your job is to fulfill the function of whatever the work is. And so, yes, there is, you don't have an opinion of I don't like that or, you know, have attitude in it, about the work. I, I've done a, a lot of jobs that were step touch. And I did a lot of jobs that were like crazy amount of tricks and dancing. You know, it's yeah. everything has value. And I think that um, you can't forget that. But I also think as a choreographer, you can't forget where you come from, too, because all that experience of how you're treated one way or the other is a really good lesson of how you want to be yourself. Right. Well, I think it's the people who start from the bottom and work their way up. They make the best leaders, right? Because 100 percent. We understand the whole process. Yeah, right. you have to. <laughs> Absolutely. So, so now you said you've worked as an assistant uh, choreographer and, and a choreographer, of course. Uh, so next, the, the associate or assistant choreographer, you have a little bit more say. You're communicating directly with the lead choreo, right? Correct, yeah. You have a little bit more. I spent a lot of years, I actually, very fortunately, started at a very young age. I mean, I think I was 16 or 17 the first time I assisted on a set. Wow. Did not know what I was doing. I'm thankful that I, gave, I was given that opportunity, but I can't. I can't even imagine what it must have been like for the for the artist because you know it's like that was a brand new thing. I was learning as I go, which was my college. You know, I didn't go to college. That was my college. It was the education in the moment, and I learned real fast. And I had to I had to stay on sets by myself at a very young age, and I watched the process, and it, and I learned not only about creating the steps as an assistant and an associate, but I learned all the back stage stuff like you have to know production you know have to know casting you have to know you know you don't have to know lighting but like I wanted to learn lighting and you you start to learn other skill sets that you know I think I think sometimes newer choreographers don't realize how much there is to choreography if they don't spend that time assisting because there's so much more you know I I was at meetings listening to like pitch meetings and stuff so you learn all that in the process so when I when I started working on my own I understood I understood. I wasn't like left to the wolves. I like, I felt that security of like, okay, I know what I'm doing. I didn't realize I learned that, but I know what I'm doing. I'm good. Right. Right. It's so funny. You mentioned that because production is such a huge element in what we do. Even simple things like downstage, upstage, 
stage right, stage left. Yeah. You might think, oh, that doesn't matter, but it does, right? When you learn, like I had to learn on, on series, on TV series, you know, you learn mandates. Like you have to know how many people have to be hired per episode per budget. And I had to learn, like, you know, that's the stuff that people don't think about. And it's so important to what you do because your, your, your team is responsible for not going over budget when you're in the choreography department. So um, all of that stuff was such an important lesson for me to continue what I ultimately wanted to do, you know. Right. And as you're learning all of this in the associate role, it just pre- better prepares you for when you are the lead choreographer. Yeah. I mean, you, you learn, you learn and, and, and depending on the person, I was lucky. I had people that trusted me. So they gave me the opportunity to use my voice. So I, I was getting practice under somebody else's name. So the mistakes I was making, it wasn't on me, it was on them, but I was there to support them. So I learned how to navigate all those without having all the pressure on me at the time. So then you don't feel so, so scared or out of place when, it, when it's your turn. Right, right. And then when you are in charge of a group, right? Because if you're a head choreographer, typically how many dancers do you have under you? It, it depends. Like sometimes it can be as many as 25 or it can be as small as five or it can be no dancers and you're working with actors. So it's like, it just, ah. it, yeah. So it ebbs and flows um, in that sense. Um, yeah. And I, and I don't know, like it might change now because, you know, there's some TV going back, but the dance numbers that are being shot have like eight people. So it'll be, it'll be interesting to see how they're able to do lots of people at a time. I hope, I hope we can go back to that, you know. I think we will. I think it's just going to take some more time. It'll take a little bit more time. Yeah. I, I truly believe that, but <laughs> we'll see. Yeah. Uh, okay, so let's talk about professional courtesy because you and I hit it off right away and we started talking about these things uh, like a while ago, as we mentioned. Um, you know, what do you expect from your team members? I expect people to come on time, which means early. <laughs> so if, if, right. your, if your call time is at 2... You should try to be there at 1.30. That's right. I'm usually somewhere 45 minutes early at myself. Yep. Warmed up, ready to go. Um, great attitudes, work ethic. If you don't know how to do something, work on it. You know, um, I, I expect good human beings. I want good human beings that want to be there and make the, make the eight hours, 14 hours, whatever those hours that we're working fun while doing the work. Hi, this is Michelle Elkin, and you're listening to the Career Musician Podcast with Nomad. Being a career musician is more than just gigs and sessions. Are you a career musician? Find out on the Career Musician Podcast, streaming everywhere. Be sure to like, follow, share, and comment on Instagram and Facebook. Pantheon listeners, Christian Swain again with something every podcast listener and music junkie needs to hear. As I'm sure you can guess, I listen to a lot of podcasts. I also listen to a lot of music, so having high-quality headphones and earbuds are absolutely critical to my day. Oh, and I have numerous pairs. In fact, I have a junk drawer of used devices that have bitten the dust, so I've tried them all. Recently, I was sent a pair of earbuds by Raycon, 
and the first thing I noticed was the cost. Uh, looks like their products are about half the price of other premium brands. Okay, that's cool. And the reviews seem pretty stellar. Okay, checks that box. So I got my Raycon Everyday Earbuds. A uh, nice packaging to open, and what I immediately noticed were the pack of ear tips for sizing. Uh, I'll tell ya, I have small ear canals. Uh, I know, a flaw. So to see choices for the best fit, uh, especially while exercising, oh yeah. And yes, they were immediately comfortable. Sound quality was great too. Plus I have three EQ options that I love because I like more bass in my music and less in the podcasts. Eight hours of playtime for the battery is great as well. Surround sound, noise canceling, and awareness mode all included. I think I'm in business and I just realized I've had them in all day. Like I said, super comfortable. Go to buyraycon.com slash Pantheon today to get 20% off your Raycon order plus free shipping. That's right. You'll get 20% off and free shipping at buyraycon.com slash Pantheon. That's right. Man, no truer words have been spoken. That's it. And and look, if you give that, you're going to get that in return, right? Absolutely. If, if people feel it from you, they want to do a good job. They yeah. want to be there for you. And yeah. and I hope that's how people feel. Like you want you want people to go, oh my gosh, I can't wait to do that job with Michelle. You know, you want people to feel that, that they're protected, that they're taken care of, that it's going to be a fun experience and right. you know, they, they get to do the work. As being independent contractors our whole lives, that repeat business, those callbacks, yeah, what that's a big part of what we rely on for income. Right? And my yeah, my teachers always told me you can work once. Is, can they do they call you back? <laughs> you know, it's that second time. One time you can work with anybody. One time. That's right. And technically, <laughs> you can put it on your resume if you work. Yeah, once, once but... you do the job, it's your it's your credit to have. But you want to have the lifelong career. You don't want that, you know, short, unless that's, unless that's what you're going for. Right. To me, it's like a, a career, not a, not a little short, you know, run. Right. Now let's talk about those times when you are leading a team of actors or even musicians. Obviously when you're, you know, choreoing for uh, dancers, they get, you speak the same language. They do yeah. what you do. So it's, a, I'm not going to say it's simpler, but it's a lot easier for them to, you know, take direction. When you're working with somebody who's not a dancer, yeah. I, I want to talk about that. I've had experience with that myself. Yeah. Uh, you know, how do you approach that? Because first of all, again, speaking from experience, I was so insecure. So if you came in the room and said, hi, I'm Michelle. I'm the choreographer. I'd be like, Here, he, this is how I would greet you. Oh, so nice to meet you, Michelle. Thank you. Listen, I want to tell you, I suck. I know nothing. So you're going to be very upset with me because I can't dance. <laughs> like, that's how I start the convo. Yeah, I get it. It's a deflection. <laughs> but you know what? If you think about it, I'll, I'll explain what I do. But if you think about it, so if I came into your room and you said to me, I mean, I played piano when I was a kid, but like briefly. So if I went in and, and you, you started playing guitar and you said, okay, I'm going to make you, you know, play, you know, rhythm guitar. I'd be like, Right. What? Yeah. You know, and like same thing with a singer, like some people can wail and, and you know, not everybody can do that. And so everybody has their things. I know for me, I prep before I walk on a set for an actor. I prep so much so that I have a bunch of things to throw away and bring in. 
because I don't want to be there. I always prep, but I don't want to be there with like egg on my face while somebody else is struggling. Mm -hmm. And then I try to work with each individual because everybody's got their own version. If you let them be Mm. everybody, no matter how somebody feels, no matter how they feel like they have a, a left foot or a right foot, at the end of the day, everybody has their own version. If they let themselves naturally just do it. Cause most of the time actors are not looking, people aren't looking for actors to be the dancer. They're looking for actors to dance. So I try to, I try to create with them, with my concept and material, not worrying about my steps so much, but making them look good. Whoever that is musicians. I mean, it's, it's, the thing is, musicians understand it when they let themselves have it because there's a musicality naturally. Not every actor is connected to music necessarily. Right. But I get it. I've, I've, I've walked in, I've walked on sets and had people say the same thing in different words. I, I totally, and that's, that's a way to make, make, make it open game so that everybody can work together in a, yeah. in a positive way. <laughs> Full disclosure, <laughs> right? <laughs> yep. It's, and it's all good. I mean, I just, I love... I love watching what can happen with somebody that's not right. as comfortable because sometimes it actually, it can be not necessarily better because yes, dancers have the technique and, and, and structure and, and vocabulary, but like comedians, the way that they make things work is like brilliant because they're, they're just, they're not afraid. They just go out after it. And, and sometimes things come up that you couldn't even have imagined in, in, you know, creatively in your own head. That's right. That's right. And it's a good, point you brought up comedians everything is about timing for comedy right timing sense of humor i mean even as a even as a dancer like i, I always tell my my students find your sense of humor find the story mm. and find your own unique sense of humor because we all have it you know what, what makes you laugh doesn't make me laugh and vice versa so when you bring that individual quality that's what's going to make you get hired and not somebody else right right what would you tell a career musician going to audition for a big show, let's say somebody's going to go out and audition for Beyonce or, you know, Ariana Grande or some big act that there's going to be some movement on stage. Uh, but they might be a little, you know, hesitant about the choreo itself. They might not even be expected to do actual choreography, but just move. What would you tell them? How can they prepare for that? Well, I would say if, there, if that comes up a lot, go take a basic dance class. There you go. Bam. Yes. Because the thing is, the more you're prepared, the more you're going to shine and you're not going to be uncomfortable by it. You still, I mean, if you start later and you've never danced, it's, it's, you're not going to be, like I said, the 17 year old that's, you know, twirling, but you'll have a comfortability. I tell every, I, when I, when I say, when I see actors, I'm like, especially young actors that are just trying to pursue, I'm like, go take dance class. If you're comfortable in your skin and your body, you're going to, you're going to work differently. And so I would say, the more you train in everything, the more comfortable you're going to be. Prepare. Oh. Be prepared. <laughs> the best advice ever. So it's so funny because I was with Babyface for 12 years. I was his music director for 10. And on the last uh, maybe three or four years, he wanted the band to start doing some steps. So he brought in some choreographers. The first time he brought in the choreographer, of course, I had my little disclaimer. Hey, I, you know, I suck, blah, blah, blah. Uh, but very interesting because I knew early on in my career that I never wanted to dance. I never even wanted to try out for the type of acts that would require that. Right. However, because he and I had such a great relationship and working rapport, I respected him enough to say, you know what? I'll do that. I, I will step up to the plate and do it. And it was one of the biggest challenges that I've ever had to face in my career. 
but like you said, how comedians just do it head on and, you know, no regrets, don't look back and don't worry about what people are thinking. That was the biggest thing. Once I got over that hurdle in my own mind, yeah, then it was fine. Did you do better? Did you finally get to the place where you... Absolutely. I did great. And to the point where all the guys in the band, you know, if they, if they voted, they would be like, you know, uh, the most improved would be me, you know, like, (laughs) that's amazing. It probably added a really good level of, you know, movement, especially I always think like horn players that like, you know, have movement and stuff. Like there's some coolness to that. Yeah. But my first reaction was like, man, I'm a musician, not a dancer. You know, that's, that's my, you know, I think a lot of musicians feel like that. That's your knee-jerk reaction. Just, eh, this is a bunch of crap. You know, I'm not doing that. But then when you sit back, you zoom out a little bit, and that's my whole point. If you're a musician and you are dealing with this, zoom out and think, okay, what does the artist want? What are they going for? There has to right. be a reason. They're trying to make the show better overall. Yeah. And let me tell you, my wife was the first one to say, oh my gosh, it looks amazing. You guys did such a good job. Again, she's looking from the outside. Sometimes right. when you're on the in in it, you know, you're in the inner workings of it. Yeah, it feels awkward, but you get over it. So I love the fact that you say, even if you're not going to be a dancer, go take a class. Yeah, it'll just make you feel comfortable. And, and you got to find the right people. You got to find the, the place that you feel the safest to explore that. But I can tell you as a as a viewer of a live concert, I'm always looking at all the details. I'm looking at how the lighting is done. I'm looking at all the musicians and seeing, I love watching musicians play because to me, it's the same passion I feel when I dance. And without music, there is no choreography, right? I mean, you can do spoken word, but I can tell you even if I do a poem that's spoken word, I'm still thinking in rhythm. So without music, there's nothing. And so, um, I always look at all how somebody's playing guitar, how somebody's playing piano, how somebody's drumming, because that energy is like, that's, that's, the, that's the layers. It's so cool. That's right. So cool. All right. Awesome. Shifting some gears here. Let's talk about the business side of what we do. I, I'm a huge advocate for, for developing a good sense of good business acumen, right? Yes. Oftentimes, creatives say, oh, I suck at business. I don't know marketing. I don't know budgeting. I can't do this. I can't do that. But I always like to reframe it. No, I might not be familiar with that at this point, but I'm going to sit down and learn it. Yes. Can't learn it on my own, then I'm going to seek help. Nowadays, we have the power of the interwebs, right? So you could really learn anything. Yes. You just have to apply yourself. Yes. So talk about negotiating, branding, budgeting, scheduling, things like that. Yes. Um, I learned very young how to read a contract because you have yes. to. We don't sign a contract without reading it. Union contracts, SAG, AFTRA, equity, any, you know, musician contracts. Um, you, have to, you have to read and you have to learn how to read and sign. Um, I, never, I never early on had to worry about negotiating contracts because I had agents that did that for me. But still, you have to be responsible. I learned at a young age to learn the information. I would say I probably wasn't as good of the business side of it when I was younger because it was all about the art part of it. Um, but you you have to learn. You have to learn. You have to be in control of your own self. Your agent does 10% of the work and you do 90% of it. And the agent gets 10%. You know, they're responsible for helping you, but they are not responsible for your career. So I learned that at a very young age. Um, 
learning how to negotiate. You have to know your value and you have to know, you have to know when to push. You have to know if you're willing to walk away. And then you, you, I've always thought of it as looking at what is the financial gain, which means that it could be a money financial gain. It could be a relationship financial gain, or it can be an educational financial gain. And everybody's in a different journey of that. When I was younger, sometimes it was worth being in the room with a choreographer because I wanted to learn from them. And sometimes I may not have gotten paid or gotten that high budget that other people would have. But it led me to the next thing that eventually it did. So I think everybody ha- everybody's hours and time are valuable and you have to decide what that is. And you have to decide when you're taking being taken advantage of or when you are actually in a situation where this, where it benefits you. So I learned that. I also learned how to um, advertise myself. I didn't grow up. Neither one of us grew up in social media. That's right. <laughs> I didn't grow up in Instagram posting and Facebook right. posting. I grew up in, you get a job and you are quiet about your job. You just work. Let's you talk about work. the paradigm shift. Yes. Back in the day, it used to be, you didn't really talk about the gigs you were landing because number one, you don't want people to know what you're doing because jealousy is afoot. People really don't want to see you succeed at the end of the day. Number two, you don't want them knowing your your resources, how you got the gig, right? Yep. And now it's the complete opposite. <laughs> yeah. And also, like, you didn't, you know, you're with your friend, you're auditioning, they're not getting it. Right. And now they're seeing you got it. Like, it just was a time where you just didn't, like brag about your work. You just did the work. And now right. if you don't post it, people think you're not um, active. You're not working. You're not yeah. valuable. So <laughs> finding that balance of how I hate using the word branding, even though I know it's a popular thing and you have yeah. to do it. I, I think of it more of how do I make my work be seen and known well enough that, that somebody will at least pay attention I mean, I don't have a crazy amount of followers. I'm not after like the 10,000 followers, um, you know, but I do realize there's an importance to it as much as you're comfortable with. So I try to do as much as I'm comfortable with by, by also maintaining my standard. <laughs> that's right. I, well said. I think that's perfect. That's it. And how about scheduling? When you, I'm sure you've come across conflicts. How do you deal with that? That's never, uh, Yeah, never I, I yeah, I've always, I've always, um, I've always made sure I focus on the thing I said yes to first, right? And then I go from there because what I, I never want to do is take a job and then bail for somebody else's job. So I've always tried to schedule as well as I can and see what see what the options are. Like I, 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 I'm trying even more so in the last like five years to say yes first. And then see how I can do it, opposed to, no, I can't do that. I have, I'm too busy. I'm, I got this, this, and this. So I try not to panic with it and just let, let my, my time kind of prove itself <laughs> in, yeah. in that way. Um, but I'm a big scheduler. Like, I'm not going to lie. Like, I have, I can't wait to get rid of my 2020 planner, but I, <laughs> everything, as soon as it comes in, I write it down on paper 
Um, so I am a big like organizer of this is what I'm doing. This is what I need to fill. <laughs> I love that. What is this paper you speak of? <laughs> I know, right? And I actually ordered my 2021. It's, it's already here. <laughs> nice. I love <laughs> like, it. I'm ready for it. I'm the same way. I'm the opposite. I'm a digital guy. So everything I do is, you know, on digital calendars and, and, yes. and you know, documents, but still same concept. My point is you have to, our, our point is you have to be proactive with scheduling, right? Yes. Have you ed- ever had to say, or have you ever said thank you, but no thank you to a gig? Yes, absolutely. Um, if What's it's, your criteria? Yeah. Uh, if it's something that I've already done and I've moved in a different place in my life, that would be something. Um, if it's something that, I don't know, I think even more so now, if it's something that my instinct says, no, I listen to it. Mm. I really go by instinct. Like if it's something that excites me and I feel like it's going to be something that's, that is, um, I always check to see if I'm scared of it or I just don't want it. Mm-hmm. And then I, I really, I really listen to what it makes me feel like things that excite me. I'm like, yes, I'm in things. that I'm like, something does not feel right. It's just not, it's not worth that feeling. Absolutely. Absolutely. And have you ever had to sub on a gig and, and what's subbing like with dancers? It's, Cause I know musicians, oftentimes we sub out, we say, Oh, you know what? I can't make it. But if, if you grant me the permission then I can fill this spot with. Someone. Yeah. I don't think it works that way so much in dance. It's either you have the job, if you can't do the job or somebody removes you from the job for some reason, then okay. they would just hire somebody else. But usually, I mean, maybe sometimes in like an assistant situation, if there's an assistant that would be on a job and, and they, it was like a week long gig and, and they weren't available for a few days. Maybe somebody else would be hired in those days. But usually I understand what you're saying. Like, um, right. you know, theater, theater musicians are always subbed out. Absolutely. But right, not right. so much, not so much in, in the dance world. Okay. I can think of. Well, no, that's very interesting because that is something unique to you guys as well as the fact that you have agents. I want, that's also unique. Yeah. Uh, we didn't always though. Okay. Let's talk about that. Cause musicians don't have agents. Yeah, no, they don't. Yeah, it's it's pretty rough. So let's talk about that. And 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 I think, look, I've heard horror story uh, agent stories. Oh, my agent is worthless. They never get me work. But then I hear, oh, my agent's great. So, yeah, um, there was never a dance agent um, until I was fourteen. Everything was in trade papers. So Variety, backstage, West, um, word of mouth, being in a class, and a choreographer is hiring. Um, right. and then there was the first dance agency at, when I turned 14 and then it just blew up from there. And there's about five or six dance agencies out here. They're all good. They all serve a purpose. Everybody has a different energy and relationship with those agents. You know, um, my personal, um, agency is go to talent and I really trust how they represent me for verbally. Um, and so you just have to kind of find that match. It's nice to have when you're on a job and you don't want to be the person that has to like, you know, verbally say something. If it's, if it's not feeling comfortable, you have that voice that speaks for you um, in agreement to how you feel. So it's kind of a buffer, but I've heard that a lot too. People will say, Oh, my agent, they don't do anything for me. Again, they're not responsible for your career. They're responsible to help you. Because they have a lot of other clients too. So you're responsible for your own career. If you're not getting something, are you, are you calling your agent? Are you emailing them, checking in? Because even during this time, I'm checking in with my agency all the time, 
just want to say hi. This is what I'm doing right now. You know, how are, how are things going in the industry? Like you have to, you have to do your part too. You can't just assume that somebody is going to take your career in their hands and do everything for you. The old tried and true principle out of sight, out of mind, you know, you got to kind of stay in touch with people, but don't be obnoxious about it. Right. Of course. Yeah. I think, yeah, I think, I always think about that. I think if you come from a good place when you're reaching out and you're clear about it and it's going to be felt on the other side, if you are from that obnoxious place, I think that also is felt on the other side. (laughs) So true. So true. All right. You've been sharing some concepts with us, basically, which are your principles and methods. And that it kind of ties into this segment of the interview. I like to ask each person, you know, your principles and methods and, and what would you do if you weren't a career choreographer, dancer, you know. (laughs) American Criminal is a new true crime podcast from the studio behind American Scandal and American History Tellers. Every week, you'll fall deeper into the riveting stories of the country's most clever, craven, and cruel criminals. Fraud, theft, murder, and worse. Whatever the case, whoever the criminal, you don't know the whole story until now. The debut season tackles one of the most sensational cases of the 20th century, the Menendez murders. In 1989, young Lyle and Eric Menendez brutally shot their own parents. Prosecutors and the press said it was a multi-million dollar inheritance that led two greedy rich kids to murder. But the picture-perfect facade this Hollywood family built hid troubling abuse. Could these teenagers have been driven to kill? Or was it even in self-defense? Listen now. Go to AmericanCriminal.com or search for and follow American Criminal wherever you get your podcasts. This is always a hard question because I cannot imagine my life without dance. But I will say I will say now on, on this side of the time of a career, I have learned production. I've learned stage managing. I have learned casting. I've learned brief lighting. Um, I think I would find a way in the same field of some sort, even if it wasn't physical, but I'm so lucky. Um, I'm very lucky. I love to teach. And I think that's endless because as long as there is somebody that wants to learn, there's a place to teach. And I have friends that are in their seventies still teaching. So I have that passion and love to give back and pay my debt of gratitude to my teachers so I feel like even if I wasn't working as a choreographer, I would still be contributing. I could sit in a chair and contribute. You know what I mean? That's right. So I, I don't foresee that ever being a issue in my life now, which I'm very thankful for. Right. Well, I think that's what, you know, what brought us together is that you recognized the education aspect of what I'm doing here with the podcast. And I'm, I'm the same way. I have a huge passion for teaching. I love it. And I think when you have teachers like us who not only have the knowledge, but we have the experience. Yes. Those two things combined, you know, we can offer. Uh, I always tell people, look, I can put you on the fast track. You know, I could save you a lot of time. Yeah. You know, just Absolutely. by listening. Every job of an educator is to shorten the time so that you don't make the same mistakes they made. And my teachers were willing to do that for me. And I, I am definitely willing to do that for my students. And yeah, I don't think, I don't, I think, I, I think you can teach no matter what, if you, if you love to teach and have the information, having the experience and, and talking from a real place versus um, 
you know, just regurgitating information is totally different. Very different. So with that being said, talk about the classes you offer. Obviously now they're online classes. Yeah, everything's uh, online. Yeah. yeah, I teach at a studio called the Performing Arts Center. It's a rental studio for lots of artists and Broadway and TV and all that stuff. But right now, obviously, with where we are, everything's online. So I've been teaching. Um, I teach jazz classes. I teach a musical theater class. Um, and I also teach at AMDA, which is a college for performing artists. It's, there's one campus in L.A., one campus in New York. So I've been doing all of that online. And then I've just been able to find time to reach out to students all over the country. I'm doing privates with them. I'm doing mentorships. And, you know, it's, it's a place where I, I don't think, one, I would have the time, nor would they. So it's been a really nice way to train dancers, you know, in Missouri and Pennsylvania. And right, so cool. right. The best way to ask about your, your online course is just go to your website, basically? Yeah, if you go, or you can follow me. Here we go. Follow yeah. me on Instagram. Follow me. There you, hey, <laughs> Michelle Elkin, and I always post um, about my classes. So, yes, you can okay, find it great. there for sure. That's awesome. Hey, something before I forget, looking at your website, SAG AFTRA, let's talk about being a union member because I was always a huge proponent of the musicians' union. I've gotten, not that I've gotten work from them, they never gave me work. Yeah. Uh, they don't act like an agent. Um, but what happens is they advocate for the performer in such a way that, you know, yeah. Is, is set up for our success. So talk about that. Yeah, is, is it AFM for you? AFM, yeah, yeah. American okay. Federation of Musicians. Yeah. But um, I'm also I've also been a SAG after member because I've done certain TV dates. Of course. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um SAG after same thing. I mean you don't get you don't get work from being they, they don't search out work for you. Right. But they the contracts always protect you. That's and that's right. the great thing. Like when you're when you're non-union, there are no rules. When you're in union there's always a standard that has been fought for from many people before even me and all that fighting of, of making sure people are protected. And so from that standpoint, being a union member is great. Um, also for the future, I mean, as performers, if you don't have another job, that's like a whatever corporate job or whatever those jobs are that give you pension and all those right. things, having a union is what secures artists to have a pension when they retire, having, you know, health benefits, hopefully, and all that stuff. So it's, it's kind of your only protection as a, as a performing artist. And typically they have, you know, you get top dollar when you're working in a union situation because yeah, union scales. Great. Yeah. yeah. Um, it depends. Like if you're a group dancer, it's a little bit less, but being that SAG principal, there's nothing like it. I mean, it's, yeah. it's, it's very nice, especially the residuals. I mean, I'm still getting residuals from Annie. You know, I get residuals from all the nice. films I did, whether it's one cent or a hundred dollars or, you know, and it's such, such a nice gift of money. <laughs> That's right. The mailbox money. That's the it. mailbox free money. Yes. Yeah. The passive <laughs> income. I always talk about that. It's definitely <laughs> extremely important. So do yourself a favor, listeners out there. If you're not familiar, check out SAG after AFM. And do some research, you know. Yeah, equity for anybody who wants to do Broadway is really oh, right. important. Agma for like um, Radio City and Opera. So all those ah. unions are important to, to really be, be um, versed in. Awesome. Anything that you remember, the most ridiculous or crazy moment you've had with working with somebody? <laughs> crazy or ridiculous moment? Um, Outlandish, embarrassing, funny, whatever. Oh my. Um, well, I will say one time I was an assistant on, um, Austin Powers movie 
And Mike Myers no, is No, hold on. Stop, amazing. stop, stop. No, stop. What? <laughs> Austin Powers, come on. That's I was the assistant choreographer on all three of the Austin Powers movies. Oh, dude. One day, insane. I remember, he made a song for me and the choreographer, and he did it over a bullhorn, and I just loved it. I love working with him. I, I danced with him on a on a um, MTV Movie Awards thing. We did, like, a Lord of the Dance thing. Like, he's, oh, that was, like, such a wonderful experience. That's the kind of comedian that's, like, just willing to do whatever. I mean, talking about unabashed, man, he'll just do anything. And that is so, like you said, it takes that spirit. Uh, it's such a free spirit. Open. That is awesome. All right. and, And finally, to wrap up this segment, words of wisdom, for some young choreographers, some young dancers out there that want to follow in your footsteps and do what you're doing. You know, what's the best route? Any, any words of advice? Yes. Um, please train, mm-hmm. train and be versatile as versatile as possible. If you want to choreograph, don't try to skip to choreographing, go through the process because you will be, you'll be more informed and more prepared when you're on the shoulders of somebody else. I, I, I can't even I can't even say more uh, than that. Like it's just so important to learn from the people that are, have already done it because you don't want to be somewhere and, and not be prepared. That's the big word for me. Be prepared. Be prepared. That's the best, Michelle. This has been great. Do you mind if we close with some rapid fire questions? Sure. Let's go. <laughs> I say they're rapid fire, but then I always comment on them, so it ends up being. Oh gosh. Okay. okay. Rapid fire. Let's go. <laughs> Here we go. Favorite food. Oh, um, sushi. Favorite libation, a drink, adult beverage. Wine. Ah, uh, white or red? You know, it was always red. And then I went wine tasting one time and I, rosé, white, red. Oh, okay. Wine, all the wines. (laughs) Favorite sport besides dance? Basketball, basketball, yes. How do you spend your free time assuming you have any? I love to read. I love to walk outside for hours, just my own Zen time. Nice. Drive or be driven? Oh, Uh, depends on the day. (laughs) (laughs) Definitely drive and yes, drive me. (laughs) (laughs) For sure. Uh, What activities do you enjoy on long flights? Uh, I sometimes color. (laughs) That's cool. Wait a minute. I have to pause there. I, I have this book that I do with my daughter, the mandala. Uh, have you seen those? Like the big um, pictures of flowers and whatnot? Oh, yes. Uh-huh. They just color them in. Yes. It's so therapeutic. It's so great. I always color or I read a book. Um, I actually don't listen to music. And that's kind of weird, I know, because I love it. But it makes me start to want to do other things of creating. And I just, it doesn't, it doesn't put me in a, a state where I can just like forget everything. Right, because now your your mind is is has been kind of you know stimulated by right. yeah exactly yeah 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 okay all right well then this this next question might be a little weird because you're primarily a dancer but what's the last song band or artist you've listened to that you've had no professional correlation with right okay so no professional correlation but I loved I just listened to Dave Matthews Band okay. And you've never choreographed something for Dave Matthews. I have never. Oh my gosh, I would, I would like love to though. That's <laughs> oh awesome. Oh my gosh, that would be a dream. So uh, the dancer that changed your life when you when you saw this person, you were like, oh my gosh, I have to do that. I um, I'm not in real time of me looking at somebody, but watching um, Sid Charisse, 
Um, Bob Fosse is a big one for me. Gregory Hines is a big one. And the Nicholas Brothers. It was mostly people in the MGM musical, like, life of time. Okay. And conversely, favorite musical artist? Favorite musical artist. Oh, my gosh. Besides that, Dave Matthews. Yeah, it's like Prince, Michael Jackson. There you go. All right. 100%. Yeah, yeah Stevie Wonder. Yep. Nice. Are you streaming any shows or movies right now that you're digging? You know, I just started Hollywood. I loved it. I love it. I, I love won't it. spoil it. Yeah. Don't spoil it. I'm on yeah. episode. I'm like on fourth episode. Yes, I yeah. love Hollywood. Um, yeah, I've just been I've just been catching up. I just watched Little Voice on ABC. Uh, not ABC. Um, Apple Music Plus. The Apple right. Plus station. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Cool. All right, shopping online or brick and mortar. <laughs> Used to be brick and mortar. Now it's online. Right. Exactly. <laughs> I, mean, I, can, I can do so much damage online. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. That's true. And you never see the money exchange. Hands. No, it, it gets delivered dangerous. to you. Like, yes. I, I'm doing Instacart pickup too. I love it. <laughs> oh man. I haven't done that one yet. All right. And finally, your dream collaboration. It could be anybody dead or alive. Doesn't matter. Okay, I want to, I would love to work with somebody like Steven Spielberg or Barbara Streisand, but I want to create from the ground up a new Broadway show. That's, that's where my head is. And nice. um, yes, it's just out there in the, in the universe. In the ether, are you writing some concepts now? I am not writing it. I want to choreograph. Um, I, 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 I want the right project to come up that I can collaborate creatively as a choreographer and with the composer, et cetera. That's so cool. Well, I would love to compose for a Broadway show. So. Oh, that would wow. be amazing. Yes. <laughs> Let's just put it out in the universe. Let's do it. <laughs> Amen to that. Amen to that. Michelle, you have been awesome. Oh my gosh. Well, thank you for having me. I, I'm so excited to be a part of this. I think it's an important podcast for many people to listen to. Absolutely. Thank you so much for being a supporter and now a guest and uh, nothing but the best to you. Thank you. You too. Blasting the stereotype of musicians. Follow us at the Career Musician Podcast. Want to learn more about a particular topic? Tag at the Career Musician and use hashtag Career Musician to let us know what you'd like to hear. I'm just a nomad, nowhere man Writing the songs in this one-man band A nomad, yeah I'm a This is Nomad, host and creator of the Career Musician Podcast, and I am thoroughly stoked to be an official member of the Pantheon Podcast Network. Pantheon Podcast Network is the first of its kind as an all-music-based podcast collective. Please be sure to check us out at pantheonpodcast.com for more info.
What would you do to achieve the American dream? The big house, the happy family, the money. 911, what's your emergency? Would you put in the hours? Would you take a big swing? What's the problem? What's the problem? Would you lie? Would you cheat? Would they shop? Would they shop? Would you kill? Yes. From Airship, the studio behind American Scandal, comes a new true crime history podcast. I'm Jeremy Schwartz, and I'll be taking you inside the minds of some of our most notorious felons and outlaws, exploring the dark side of the American dream. In my new show, American Criminal, you'll meet the picture-perfect brothers who killed their parents, the thief who stole babies, the crypto king who siphoned off billions and plenty more. From assassins and gangsters to killers and con artists, whatever the case, whoever the criminal, you don't know the full story until now. Don't miss the debut season of American Criminal, The Menendez Brothers, beginning February 29th. Listen wherever you get your podcasts, or to get early ad-free access to the entire season first, plus hundreds of other ad-free history podcast episodes, subscribe at intohistory.com.